Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Father, indeed, you are the way maker. Father, we thank you that you don't stop working. We thank you that you don't stop pursuing us. We thank you that you continue to have patience with us. In the song, something was said about you continue to give us another chance. That is grace, Lord. We have no words to express how we feel. All we can do is to thank you and to praise you and to exalt you and to bless you. And yet again, as we study your word, we pray that you will speak to us, but also empower us to walk in your ways. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're back to Sabbath evangelism. We missed uh, last month because of camp meeting, and so we're thankful that we can have another lesson, another session of Sabbath evangelism. And today we're going to tackle the greatest challenge for Christians. That's kind of loaded. You know, you think about the challenges that you face as a Christian, Satan always attacking. Um, but you know, it's interesting that uh, we are starting this new Sabbath school quarter with the crucible. Hmm? Talking about the reality of what? What are we talking about? Reality of suffering in our, in our lives, right? The crucible. You know, it was John Stott. He was a theologian, died in 2011, not an Adventist, but wrote a number of books. Notice what he said about this challenge. The fact of suffering undoubtedly constitutes the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith and has been in every generation. Suffering, the the fact of suffering. Suffering is a reality, is it not? But he continues saying, notice its distribution and degree appear to be entirely random and therefore unfair. So again, suffering is a great challenge for the Christian because of how it happens and who it happens to. Notice, sensitive spirits ask if it can be reconciled with a God of justice and love. The Bible tells us that God is love. And anything that we believe, any doctrine, any, any set of beliefs that we have, we must be able to reconcile them with a fact that God is love. If, if, if whatever you believe, if whatever doctrine you hold to, onto, if, if, if it not, cannot be justified with the God of love, if you can't reconcile that with a God of love, you throw that doctrine away. You don't throw God away. God, the fact that God and love is foundational. Anything else, it does, if it doesn't match with that, you throw it away. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, the reality of suffering, the fact that there is suffering, let's face it, let's be honest, it doesn't, you can't reconcile that with a God of love. Greatest challenge. And people ask this question. Maybe you've been faced with this question. I can't understand if God is indeed love. Look at what's happening in the world around us. You know, there's been times in, um, in the world, seasons, if you will, in history, where there has been great events that cause a lot of suffering. You remember last week, I, I shared with you the story of Cory Tembu. Cory, uh, a World War II survivor uh, in Robbinsbrook concentration camp, and of course, she had a, a great story of forgiveness. Uh, on the screen there, you have a, a picture of the, the Kaw concentration camp. Back in 2017, I was able to visit that camp in Munich, and um, it, it was just a, 
uh, an interesting experience. To, you know, to see all the exhibits, you see the, the pictures of, of, of the prisoners and, and, and their condition. Uh, I was able to walk by this, this big building they had there. Uh, we were told that that's where the gas chamber was. Now, because it was almost the end of the day, I wasn't able to go inside, but it was kind of eerie. You know, there was um, a, a sort of an exhaust fan on the top, but it was a, a big building where you could fit hundreds of people there at once and execute them. It was, it was just amazing uh, an experience to see that. Uh, you know, and complete records indicate that at least 32,000 inmates died in that camp, which was actually the first concentration camp to be established, by the way, in March 10th, 1933. And they died there of disease, malnutrition, uh, physical oppression, and of course, many were executed. So when we think about seasons in history where there's so much suffering, so much pain, the Holocaust certainly qualifies for that. And of course, you know, there's always pain. We think about wars right now. I've told you that I enjoy astronomy, primarily because of pictures like this one. I mean, and when you look at space, I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking, the beauty of space. And we're told that when the first astronauts went to, went to space, they, they, they commented on the fact, uh, looking through their windows, of how beautiful, how serene, how peaceful space was. And, and, and as they turned around and looked at our planet from the space, how beautiful, how peaceful, how serene our planet was. And, and, and you know, what could be wrong with a planet that looks so beautiful from space? But of course, they had to come back home. And when they come back home, the reality is different, isn't it? There are still wars, bloodshed, sorrow. Every day, there's news of of some grim story and a heartache and grief. And and you know what? It's become so familiar, we become so used to this, that it doesn't faze us anymore. We hear of a tragedy. There's another tornado. Killed how many? Oh, 500? Well, how about that? Uh, what, What else is on TV? You know, we become calloused. Because it's, it's, it's so natural, so, so we're, it's so used to it. In fact, when we think about the fact that one day God has a better place for us, right? Revelation 21.4, there shall be no more, no more pain, no more suffering. It's hard for us to believe because this is what we've become accustomed to. This is the reality. The latest school shooting in Ovalde, Texas. All these kids died, two of their teachers. And, you know, I think about that. You know, my kids, of course, are grown now. But those of you who have little kids and, you know, the, the, the routine of getting up in the morning, getting the kids ready for school, getting them undressed, you know, you, you, you prepare their breakfast, you prepare their lunch, make sure they have their homework, and you're, and you're waiting there for the school bus, and you say, I'll see you later, honey, or, or I'll pick you up at 3, we've got to go to soccer practice, the, you know, the usual. And I'm sure these parents had the same thing, you know, I'll see you tonight, but they would, that would not happen. You, you wonder why is it that, that so many innocent people are victims of crime and violence? It's hard for us to explain that. Or how about the drunk driver who is so drunk, causes a fatal car accident, the other people are killed, the entire family is killed, and he walks away with a, a few scratches. Trust me, I saw that a few times as a paramedic. That's not fair. Why does that happen? Planet Earth seems plagued by earthquakes and floods and disease. In fact, you heard last week there was an earthquake in Afghanistan and a thousand people died. 
That, again, so to show how callous we've become, I heard about it in the news. Oh, really? Wow, how about that? You know, a thousand people died. Made you move on. We, we only think about uh, the suffering as, you know, it only, it's only important when it impacts us. But the reality is that there's so much event out there. And so again, uh, uh, this is why this is so, so hard to explain because, again, people can't reconcile a God of love. If God is so good, and if God is so good, how come all these bad things are happening? I, I, I cannot understand it. I can't comprehend it. Yeah, they're good questions. You know, some time ago, the newspapers in Lake Forth, Florida, carried an interesting story. There was a man who was hit by a high-power electrical line, which had, had been um, struck by lightning. Okay, and of course, as you imagine, he was severely injured. They took him to the hospital, and, and he eventually survived. And uh, when he got out of the hospital, he sent all his bills to the insurance company. And the insurance company, you know, I always tell Lucy, these insurance companies, they're all fraud anyway. Amen. Yeah, come on, say it, say it again. <laughs> they, they said they, they were not going to pay because this accident was an act of God. Shoot, man, I tell you. It's an act of God. Well, you know, the sad thing about it is that the courts agreed. The courts agreed that they, that they didn't have to pay because, again, it was lightning that caused the issue, and, of course, it's an act of God. And so it's kind of comical. What he did was, all right, well, this is an act of God. He filed a suit against God and company. Now, of course, you know, he, you didn't expect it to get anything from God himself, but when he, uh, he sued God and company, the company were the church's representatives, so he sued 55 Christian churches in his city. Hey, God's fault? Well, somebody should pay, right? Yeah. And during the case, um, uh, one minister spoke out saying, I believe this is expression an act of God is a misnomer, is, a, is wrongly used. What, what, what we should say, this was an act of Satan. Yeah, an act of Satan. And that is exactly, and he was right. He was right. See, there are two opposing forces in the world. One force for good, one force for evil. The powers of heaven and the powers of hell. And this is the proverbial great controversy that we're so used to hearing about, right? God is in no way responsible for all those bad things that happen on earth. God is the author of love and faithfulness and blessing. There is another guy who is at fault, and we point the finger at the wrong person. Notice what the Bible says about God. Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. That's the strategy of God. That's why we're praising him this morning, because that's how he's treated us. He continues to show love for us. I don't deserve it. And God never changes. Aren't you glad for that? He's always going to love you. He's not the one that brings uh, evil upon us. When God created the world, it was perfect. We saw that last quarter when we studied Genesis without a single flaw, a perfect man and a perfect woman in a perfect environment. His desire uh, was that they would always be loving, uh, healthy, and happy people. Suffering and sickness and disease and pain, that was not part of God's plan when he created the earth. And so where did all this come from, right? Where does it all come from? What sinister powers working behind the scenes? Well, the Bible tells us his name. His name is Satan. He's the guilty one. He's the one responsible. And you and I are caught in the midst of this. I mean, we're not spectators. We're in the midst of this. Whether you want it or not, we're caught in this, in this cosmic drama. 
You know, the idea that Satan is a myth or that he's simply some kind of influence, like many people believe, leaves us totally unprepared to face the actual intelligent being that he is. This is why John advises us, counsels us, warns us, Revelation 12, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, that is, woe to you. And the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. He's working double time. He's working triple time because he knows he is going to be lost and he wants to take you with him, Jonathan. Yeah, Peter says it this way, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. He is working hard, friends. And you know, it's hard to believe that the Bible tells us that this uh, being came from heaven. This is the words of Jesus, Luke 10, 18. I saw Satan falling like uh, lightning from where? Heaven. From heaven. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine a devil in heaven. But of course, you know, the Bible tells us a story. He wasn't always Satan. His name was what? His name was Lucifer. He was a very beautiful angel. You know, contrary to popular uh, uh, artist paintings, the devil's not just this little monster with a little tail and a little pitchfork and little horns. Uh, um, this one looks kind of cute, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, he, he is beautiful. Uh, you know, if you see Hollywood, sometimes they paint him like a really messed up looking monster. But that's not the reality, friends. Nothing can be further from the truth. In fact, the Bible uses the uh, illustration or analogy of the king of Tyre uh, uh, when he's speaking about this being named Lucifer, uh, Ezekiel 28, 12 to 15 tells us, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were an Eden, in the garden of God. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were perfect in your ways from the days you were created until iniquity, until sin, until rebellion was found in you. You know, we're told that Lucifer held the highest position in heaven. Apparently, in heaven, there's a hierarchy of, of angels, right? And so, um, I, 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 I believe he was one of those, uh, you know, the, the angels in the Ark of the Covenant, right there in the presence of God. Now, Lucifer was one of them. So, you know, how, I mean, he's so close to God. Why in the world would he defect being right there in the presence of God? It makes no sense to me. But the Bible tells us what happened. Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. You know, he, he, of course, the Bible doesn't say this, but I imagine maybe he would, he would pass by the mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all, right? He, he, he would look at himself and, you know, there's something about me, you know? Bragging rights, bragging rights. Beautiful, but of course, because of his beauty, he exalted a position that he did not deserve. It was due to God alone. He became power hungry. He, 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 he had the boldness to challenge God for the rulership of the universe. Notice Isaiah 14 tells us, for you have said in your heart, I will send into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I want to be God. Huh? And, you know, it wasn't long before he, be, he began to spread uh, discontent around. You know, I think that Satan uh, was the first politician. Come on. You know, if I ran things, things would be a lot better here in heaven. You know what I mean? I could get you health insurance, Tarana. You need health insurance in heaven, but he convinces you you need health insurance. He's a salesman, too, a politician. Huh? 
I can take care of you, man. I can take care of your family. Yeah? Give you a good, uh, good uh, um, retirement plan. And so, you know, like, like a rotten apple, it begins to spread around heaven. And, uh, and of course, God could have destroyed him right then and there. And sometimes I think about, you know, that would have saved us a whole lot of headaches, Lord. Would have? Well, maybe, maybe not. Because, see, uh, God in, in, his, in his omniscience, he, he knew, he knows everything. And, and he knew that had he destroyed uh, Lucifer, Satan, and all his uh, followers at that time, he knew that that, um, that would have planted some seeds of, of doubts in the other angels. You know? I better shape up because he can come after me. You see what I'm saying? So God, of course, knew that. And so he's allowed uh, Satan to, uh, uh, to show us exactly what he would do if he ran the universe. You know? And that's strange that it may seem, of course, he didn't destroy him. So there was war in heaven. A war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor there was a place found for them in heaven any longer. For the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, uh, you know, heaven, of course, was the battleground initially, uh, but it moved down here to earth. That's, this is where it takes place here. This is where the conflict takes place. It just changed theaters. And so earth became the, the stage for this great controversy where, where every, everything will be dramatized, where Satan would demonstrate how good of a ruler he would really be. And you may wonder, well, why earth? Why earth? Why not another place? Well, you know, uh, uh, Paul talks about that uh, we are a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Well, planet earth... Uh, had, be, had just been created by God, had just come from his hands. It was a beautiful beyond description. And then, of course, Genesis 1.27 tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So it was a perfect world, two perfect people, and God gave them dominion over the whole earth. We're told in verses 8 and 15 that the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and the Lord took uh, God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and ten, to tend and keep it. So just to think about it, this is a newly created world, newly designed, beautiful beyond description. And so I'm thinking that Satan is probably strategizing. He's saying, yeah, I'm not going to take over an already established world. They already have some experience. Let me take over this newly created one. They don't have a lot of experience. It's newly born. And so although, of course, Adam and Eve were created perfect, they were given the ability to do what? Choice, right. The ability to choose. They were not beyond the possibility of wrongdoing. They were free to choose God and to obey him, or they were free to ignore God's instructions. And God had given them instructions, by the way. But, you know, they have to be tested. Their loyalty had to be tested. And so we read in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, this is the test. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, what happens? You will surely die. Now, you know what? When I think about this loyalty test, I think that it was kind of a reasonable request. And quite frankly, I don't think it was difficult. I, I mean, you think about Eden. I mean, we don't, we don't know how big Eden was, but you imagine a big place. Uh, God had given them 
hundreds, if not thousands, of different things that they could eat. No pesticides, all natural, right? Yeah. Organic. They could eat all of it, except that one. Yeah. But when you, when, see, when you think that things are easy, that's where you got to be careful. That's where we can become vulnerable and fall on our, flat on our faces. And, of course, they were caught off guard. And that's what happened to Eve. Satan uses supernatural psychic power. Uh, 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 you know, Satan rarely works. You know, you know he, he always hides behind somebody else. That's the kind of coward he is. But that's how he works. And so this is why Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so Eve was walking in the garden, we're told. Now, you know, I don't think that Eve woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to go and see that tree. This was a process. You know, this is how sin is, right? So, see, I, I imagine that Eve, after, you know, a guy gave you the instructions, you, you know, you can eat everything except that one, and maybe in a few days go by, or maybe a, a couple of weeks, and then she goes like this. You know, Adam, I wonder why God said not to eat that tree. That looks, it doesn't look, nothing wrong with it, right? Maybe they, you know, maybe they commented on it, and she kept on walking, and maybe another couple of days or a couple of weeks go by, and she gets a little closer now. You know, Adam, that looks like mangoes with me. They look pretty good. I wonder why. And the next day, or the, a couple of days later, she gets a little closer, and, and, and goes like this again, and, and she gets closer and closer, and bam! See, Satan was... Like a fishing rod. He was reeling her in, yeah. And so he begins to speak through the snake. He was the first ventriloquist. You think about ventriloquism. And notice um, the devil, you know, he, he starts to talk. Has God indeed said, this is Genesis 3.1, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, was Satan lying? He wasn't lying. I mean, that's what really God said, Right? Uh, I want you to think about this, though, because it's in the way you say things, right? He wasn't wrong because you, he could, they couldn't eat of every tree. You know, it was every one of them, but it said one. But see, God puts it in a positive way. You can eat of everything except this one. Satan works it out. Oh, you can't have of everything. And I believe that he asked this question the way he did because he needed to draw her in into a conversation, be careful having a conversation with Satan because he wants to make you, uh, you know, talk and, 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 and deceive you. And that's exactly what happened with Eve. So Eve replies, you know, she, she, maybe she feels the need to, to, to correct the, the issue, you know, to, to defend God. No, 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 you know, we, we may eat of every fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, you shall, God said you shall not eat, nor shall you what? Shall you touch it lest you die? Now, what was wrong with her way she answered? What, what was wrong with the way she answered? D didn't she add something to the Word of God? Be careful to adding the Word of God. And, and you know, because Satan probably is, oh man, she messed up. I'm going to take advantage of this one. Because God did not say uh, anything about touching it, did he? It was just don't eat it. 
And so, uh, um, uh, of course, Satan, you know, scoffs at her and, ah, come on, man, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And, 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 you know, think about it. She stood there understanding, maybe reflecting on the fact that this, this serpent was contradicting what God has said. Uh, we don't know how much time passed from, uh, from creation to this point where, where, where she had this encounter with Satan, but, but she had been in contact with God, had spent time with God, and now all of a sudden the, the, this, this being is contradicting what God said. And maybe sensing that she was a bit confused, the serpent asked, because God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, the devil was suggesting somehow that, that, that God was holding something back. But I, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> because, of course, she said, you shall not even touch it. And if you imagine the serpent on the tree with the fruit, he's probably slithering around the piece of mango. Just, to, just I think it was a mango. If chocolate was a fruit, it would have been chocolate. Dove chocolate there, Terrence. But it was slithering around the piece of fruit, so the serpent, it's touching it. So she said, if you touch it, you die, but the serpent's not dead. Furthermore, the, 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 the logic is that if, if the serpent is trying to get her to eat of it, the serpent must have eaten of the piece of fruit. And Eve knew that serpents don't talk. So if the serpent is talking, it must mean that she ate of the fruit. And if that's, can, that's what happens to a serpent, imagine what's going to happen to me when I eat of it. You can be like God. So that's how Satan convinced her. You know? And of course, that's what he, want, he, happened, uh, what he wanted. And so Eve sold out. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree des uh, desirable to make one wise, she took of it and ate. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate. Now, we're told that it was Eve who was deceived. Adam was just a follower. So, so, you know, the reality is Adam could have said, well, you messed up. God said you shouldn't eat. Uh, listen, I love you and everything, but that's on you. I'm going to tell God about it. He's going to handle this. I guess he's going to give me another wife. But, 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 see, is that, is that a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> She's going to let me know later. <laughs> see, she, she, <laughs> you guys make me laugh. She, she I, I think in, he's thinking about this, you know, he spent some time with Eve, uh, you know, for, again, we don't know how long from creation to, to this point, but he probably uh, um, think, thought about, you know, I can't live without her. She is very beautiful. I don't think God can outdo this one. So, you know what, if, 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 she, if, she is, if she's going to die, I might as well die with her. And, and so he took of it. He ate of, of, the, of the fruit as well. And so notice they failed. Their test, the test of loyalty, yeah? And it was not long before he, they started to realize something's wrong here. They started to experience fear and guilt. And, and before they, uh, you know, uh, long they realized that they had lost some things, right? They lost that happiness, their perfect love, their, their, their garden home. They, they lost the dominion over the earth. They were no longer masters. 
but slaves. And friends, that's, you know, a reality for us as, as too. You no, know, Paul says that in Romans 6.16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves to slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Yeah, that's a reality. I want to be a slave of Christ. Sometimes uh, Satan takes me in the wrong way. So Satan hijacks this newborn world, and now he claims to have dominion over this world. Now, as this day comes to a close, uh, um, Satan, uh, or rather, God comes to, to meet with Adam and Eve in, in the coolness of the afternoon. You know, this was probably the favorite time of their day. Oh, God is coming. You know, let's, let's prepare, you know. But this time, they were afraid and they hide. They hide. And then maybe sometime later, uh, I, I, Adam comes behind a bush and he confessed, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. He never experienced fear before. But that's what sin does, doesn't it? Makes you afraid even of God. God has loved us with an everlasting love. He's shown that the evidence is in Jesus, and still we're afraid of him. When, when we are feeling guilty like that, friends, I know it's not, I'm not the only one. Sometimes we don't even want to pray. Because we feel so guilty, because we feel uh, that we're not worthy. And, and so that's what Satan wants. That's what Satan wants. So God replies, have you eaten of the tree? Of course, God knew what happened. God needed them to realize what, what, what they had done. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And notice how he probably, you know, a few moments before, he gave his life for Eve. I'm going to die with her. I mean, she's my wife, and, I, and I, can't, I can't live without her. Now he throws her under the bus. It was Lucy. She did it. Mm-mm. But, you know, of course, by, by saying that it was her fault, he's saying it's your fault. Lord, if you would have not given me a broken wife, I would not be in this situation. It's her fault. You, 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 didn't, you, you messed up. You didn't program her right. I don't know. Something's wrong with her. It's your fault. That's what he's saying in essence, friends. Yeah. Eve, of course, is no less accusing. Notice verse 13. What is it that you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent. Deceive me and I ate. You made the serpent, Lord. You know, this animal, you the one who created it. So, hey, listen, this is on you. This is on you. So she's trying to justify herself, placing the responsibility on God. And that very day they were doomed. Immortality, friends, was, uh, was given on condition of obedience. That's always been the case, my friends. Yeah. So by disobeying, they forfeit their eternal life. And to keep them from living forever, right, and, and, and continuing this life of sin, God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. He placed a, an angel there, a cherubim, uh, east of the Garden of Eden, we're told in verse 24, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So the, the devil has said, ah, come on, you're not going to die. God doesn't know what he's talking about. But they did die, didn't they? Amen. You know? Uh, separated from the tree of life, separated from, from God because sin uh, places a wall of separation between us and God. That's the only end result. Yeah. And so our perfect world was blighted with the curse of sin. Planet Earth became the pest house of disease and cruelty and death and millions. And maybe you or yourself, you've heard it. Many are looking and, and asking the question and trying to find somebody to blame. Who can we blame for this? Well... God is not the author of this. The one responsible is, as we saw, this was Satan. Amen. Satan is responsible. 
And you know, may, maybe nowhere else in the Bible do we see Satan's strategy better displayed than in the book of Job. The book of Job, we're told, actually was the first book of the Bible that was written. And, and this gives us an insight of how Satan works. And so Job chapter 1 starts with a, a story of a meeting that took place in heaven. Uh, it says that the sons of God came to meet with God. Apparently, uh, uh, the sons of God uh, uh, were the representatives of other worlds, and, 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 you know, they had some kind of meeting. And Satan shows up. Satan shows up. So notice uh, Job 1.7, the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? Now, you've got to read between the lines here. God is probably asking Satan, what are you doing here? Who invited you here? And of course, Satan, uh, uh, he, he thinks he, he, he has an answer. So Satan answered the Lord and said, for, from going to and fro on the earth and walking from uh, back and forth on it. And so in, in essence, Satan was saying, listen, I am the, the, the new uh, prince of earth. I am the ruler of earth. Uh, uh, Adam lost it. I gained it. So I'm the representative. I have a right to be here. And so notice... Uh, uh, um, you know, God answers Satan's claim in verse 8. Notice, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and, and shuns evil. So God is telling Satan, listen, you claim to have dominion over the earth because you're the prince now and everything, and, and Adam forfeited his dominion. But have you noticed Job? There's a guy over there that he is very faithful to me. Have you, have you noticed him? Of course, Satan sneers at him and, and, and thinks, of course. I mean, come on. Of course he's going to follow you. Look at him. He has all the rich. He has all the bling bling. He is the most popular guy in the East, of course. He, 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 he serves you because of the fringe benefits. Now, you take away that stuff, and I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you he's going you know, to spit in your face. And so God acquiesced and sort of humors him. Notice verse 12, the Lord said, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay, hand, uh, lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He, he, got, he got to work right away. He didn't waste any time. We're told that the Sabaeans stole Job's cattle and murdered his cowhands. Next, lightning struck, uh, struck the, uh, the sheep and killed the shepherds as well. Uh, the, then the Chaldeans plundered Job's camels. And finally, this great tornado uh, uh, tore through the house of one of his sons. They were having a party there, and all the, the brothers and sisters were there, and they all died. And like this, he lost everything. How would you react if that was you? Hmm? Hey, that is indeed a test. But the Bible tells us that in spite of the fact that he was overcome by grief, he did, his loyalty did not change. Notice, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our friends, that, that we can react like that when, you know, when the time comes for us to, to experience those losses. And, and again, these things happen. We're talking about the reality of suffering, the crucible, if you will. Uh, um, Christians who suffer too. May we be able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord as well. So, of course, Satan failed in, in what he was trying to do because he told God, yeah, you take this stuff away and he's going to curse you at your, at your face, but it didn't work. So he ups the ante. Chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, again, Satan challenged God, all that man has will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you at your face. 
And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Now, what would happen? Yeah, he lost everything, his material possessions, his, his family, and now he was sick. How would, would he react? How would you and I react? It is a, a lesson on loyalty and a lesson on faith. Yeah. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and struck Job. He, he, I mean, he got to work right away. Notice boils, painful boils, from the sole of the feet to the crown of the head. There was no, there was no ibuprofen back then. You had to deal with it. But even though Satan had deprived uh, Job of his possessions, of his family, of his own health, he remained loyal to God. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So who was it that plagued Job? Satan. Satan. Who was it that killed his, uh, his livestock? Yeah, who's, who's the one who sent the tornado to kill his family? It was Satan. It was Satan working uh, uh, through, through jealous, the jealous King Herod who, who tried to kill Jesus back there in Bethlehem. It, it was Satan who, who appeared to Jesus as an angel of light there in the desert because he wanted to make sure that Jesus failed at his mission. Well, at least, uh, at least that he would give up his mission. And if he did, of course, he wouldn't remain the prince of this earth forever. But we're, taught, we're, told, that we're told that to each temptation, Christ was victor. He was a victor. It is written, he says. Yeah. So Satan, in desperation, notice what he tells them. This is the last one. Matthew 4, 9, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. All these things that he claimed to have were stolen property. Stolen property. That wasn't really his. So Jesus answered, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Yeah. Satan departed like a defeated foe. But he would come back, though. He would come back because there still was Calvary in the horizon. Yeah. All his power was bent on preventing Christ from restoring man's lost dominion. And so finally Satan managed to have Christ betrayed in the hands of a murderous mob. And he died on Calvary. And he did it for you. God gave his only begotten son because we had a problem, the problem of sin, and Jesus willingly laid his life on the cross for you because he wanted to resolve that problem. He wanted to resolve that problem. And, and, and his was an hour of victory. It was a day that spelled freedom uh, for the prisoners of the devil. That day, Satan became officially defeated foe. Friends, Satan is a loser with a capital L. We don't have to be afraid of a loser. We need to hold on to the one who defeated him on the cross. Amen? Some of you may remember in school uh, hearing about Louis Pasteur. I don't know if that's how you say it. Any French people here? Pasteur. Is that? Okay. There you go. He was a microbiologist, scientist. And he believed that many diseases spread uh, because of uh, these organisms that are invisible to the naked eye. In the 1860s, he conducted a series of experiments on the relationship between germs and disease. And through his discoveries, he became known as one of the father of germ theory. Now, there were others who had studied these things, but Pasteur brought germ theory into general acceptance. See, he was convinced that bacteria, these, these invisible germs that you cannot see, uh, were causes of disease. 
Well, friends, much of what is wrong with the world today is caused by something we cannot see. Yeah, it is because sin exists because this, this being, Satan, who, who, who rebelled against God 6,000 years ago and is tempted, he came to this earth, tempted our original grandparents. And, you know, we, we often criticize Adam and Eve because they fell and, and this, this, this test of loyalty was not difficult. But the reality is that we fail our test of loyalty sometimes every day. We can't, we can't just point the finger because we're involved in this. Yeah, much of, of, of what, it, the, what why, why you ask the question, what's, why is suffering exists? Why, why, why do people experience hurt? Why do innocent people die? Well, Jesus answered this question um, when uh, someone approached him, uh, the land, uh, a landowner's servants asked him, um, why were there weeds in, in, in the field when they planted wheat? What did he, what did he say? An enemy has done this. Matthew 13, 28. So you ask the question, why did this uh, drunk driver kill this, this family? An enemy has done this. Why did this guy come into Uvalde and kill all those children? An enemy has done this. Why did this mom of, uh, of three uh, um, uh, uh, alone and, and now she has stage four cancer and her children are going to be left orphans? Why? An enemy has done this. Why did this crazy looking tornado came and, and, and swept through this place and killed so many and destroyed so many lives? An enemy has done this. But cheer up. Because Jesus is coming soon, friends. And when he comes, friends, the prophecy of Ezekiel is going to come through. We, you know, we think that Satan is all this powerful. He is a loser, and he's going to be destroyed. We're told, and I destroyed you, O cher- uh, covering cherub. Therefore, I, I brought fire from you, in, uh, from your midst, and devoured you, and turned you into ashes upon the earth. That's what's going to happen with him. <laughs> he knows it. This is why he wants to take you with him. But we need to side with the winner, not with the loser. Jesus is coming, and his time, he's not coming as a lowly Galilean baby, uh, uh, unknown, with no influence, no money. He is coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And he will return to this rebellious planet. And friends, we need to be ready. If we miss this, we miss everything. We miss everything, friends. You know, it was John Stott, I quoted John Stott earlier. And he writes a book titled The Cross of Christ. And he says something really powerful, really deep. I want you to to listen to what he said. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God that was immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha. His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth, a remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time, after a while, I have to look away. And in imagination, I have turned instead to the lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in a forsaken darkness. That is the God for me, he says. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. Our sufferings become more manageable in light of his. And he ends by saying, 
there is still a question mark against human suffering. But over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross, which symbolizes divine suffering. And you know, it is this God, this Savior, that, that is calling on to us. He said, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I know there's somebody here today that, that is going through some, some severe trials in your life. I know there's somebody here that today that is suffering. I know somebody here that, that would like these things to, to go away, and Jesus is giving you that invitation today. He is the solution. He is your ticket to heaven. Suffering is a reality, and you will see this through our, 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 our quarterly this year, or this quarter, the, the crucible, the suffering. Uh, oftentimes, God prov- uh, allows us to go through suffering because it is through suffering that we grow spiritually. But still, nobody likes to go through it. And this is why Jesus is inviting you today. You ha- are you going through suffering? Are you going through pain? Are you going through anxiety in your life? Come to me, and I'll take it away. I'll, I'll help you carry that burden. There are some of you today that still have not said yes to Jesus. There are still some of you today that are waiting for an opportune moment to say yes to Jesus as if somehow you're going to feel all warm and fuzzy inside and you you don't recognize that the opportunity is now. And he's calling on you. And so if that's you, I, I know there's somebody here. There's one person at least that is going through some trials and suffering and God is inviting you to bring it to Jesus and he's going to help you take it. And if that's you, because I know it's me, it's me right now. I'm telling you right now, it's me. I I, I have something I need to bring to the Lord and help it and and ask him to help me carry because I can't do it. It's tearing me apart. Somebody here may want to join me because I want to pray. I want to pray for myself, and I want to pray for you. And I know there's somebody here that's carrying that burden, and he's inviting you to come forth. Bring it all to Jesus. He's the only one who can help us. He's the answer. Don't be afraid. There's some of you right now, maybe you're thinking, I really haven't received this gift of salvation, and I want to do that now. Why wait? Why wait? Come bring it all to Jesus. I promise you that you're going to feel lighter as you exit this sanctuary today. Because when he says he will give you rest, he means what he says. He means what he says. There may be others. You know, suffering is a reality for us. You're sitting there and I know that you are going through some trials in your life. And you're afraid to say, you know, to recognize it. You're afraid to recognize that you're weak, that you can't do this. Well, we have a God that can do all things. He's not afraid. He's not afraid. Father, this afternoon, we want yet again to praise you. Father, we don't have all the answers. We think about this, this, this topic we talked about, this great challenge that we have to, 
to be able to explain the, uh, uh, the reality of suffering in the world, but we know, Lord, that, that, that you're not at fault. That Satan at his fault, and yet because even if it's not your fault, you did have done everything to correct our mistake, to take our sin, to correct the problem. And the one responsible, uh, Lord, has already been defeated. Jesus has gained victory. And Lord, we know that the reality is he's going to be destroyed, that we have nothing to fear of him, of that, of that loser, because you're the one who, who won on that cross. Amen. You're the one who took our place. You paid our debt. Father, many of us have a, a burden, a burden that, we, that, that we've been carrying for a long time, and it's tearing us apart. But the invitation of Jesus is that he will help us carry it. He, he, he may not necessarily take it all away, but he'll help us carry it. And the burden will be lighter because he's right, walking right by our side. Father, these souls that have come to you today are placing these burdens right here at the foot of the cross, as it were. So, Father, as they, as they leave today, may they experience a, a, a lighter burden. May they experience that, 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 they can, that they can even breathe better because of what you have done. And, Lord, for those that are waiting, are waiting for a special sign, are waiting for a special feeling to say to you, yes, Lord, I accept the gift of salvation. You know their hearts. You know what they need. Draw near to them at this moment and show them that the time has arrived, that the time is now, that salvation is today. Thank you, Lord, for the power and the clarity of your word. Oh, Father, as we, as we go about our days, as we face maybe another question, why is there suffering? May we be able to answer that. And, and, and some people, when they ask, where is God when, when, when all these things happen? May we be able to say, God is in the same place where he was, was when his own son was, was being tortured and died on the cross. And if he didn't intervene to save his own son because he knew the great benefit that would come from that. We are assured that there must be a benefit for allowing us or others to go through trials. May we keep our faith in you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.